0: Conquer Local. It's really a breath of fresh air, good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is gonna be getting me to shut up on this one.
1: Conquer Local with Vendasta, hosted by Jeff Tomlin.
0: Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Listen in to learn the highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Brendan Kamarasami. Brendan is a founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel dedicated to helping people master public speaking and communication. He started at nineteen years old coaching others on impactful speaking during business competitions and noticed the lack of accessible resources for effective communication. This led him to create Master Talk, offering free videos, to empower individuals who couldn't afford personal coaching. Brendan's mission is to make every person an exceptional communicator, regardless of age or financial means, striving to unlock the potential of individuals and enable them to confidently share their ideas with the world. Get ready, Conquerors, for Brendan Kamarasami, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Brendan Kamara Sami, Montreal native, welcome to the Conquer Local podcast.
1: Jeff, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Hey, so let's dive right into it. You've got a platform to help people hone their public speaking skills. Um, it's called Ma- uh, Master Talk. You, you know, you got started uh, in this space, you know, fairly young. Um, what inspired you to get started, and what inspired you to start Master Talk?
1: Yeah, for sure, Jeff. It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. So. Yeah, for me, the story started in college, Jeff. Since, since we're all Canadian here, I, I studied at Concordia University in Montreal. In accounting, funny enough, I thought I was a numbers guy and that I was going to be crunching numbers the rest of my life. And my dream when I was a 19-year-old kid, Jeff, was to get a job at one of the big four accounting firms. If I could land a job at Coopers, or Deloitte at KPMG or EY, my life would be set. So I started this bachelor's degree, Jeff. And I find out about these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age are playing basketball or rugby or soccer, probably not a sport I was into. I did presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak fairly early in my career. And then as I got older, I started coaching a bunch of students on how to communicate so that they could win competitions. And I accidentally developed a gift in helping other people in how to speak. So then in 2019, I had the idea of just saying, why don't I just create free videos while I'm working my full-time job at IBM? And I just start making videos in my basement. And then a few years later, it turned into something I never could have imagined.
0: Uh, Brendan. So jumping from accounting to public speaking almost feels like going from badminton to professional wrestling. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect that. So uh, account. So t- tell me, like, what's been some of the most rewarding things that uh, y- you've had about your your journey so far here?
1: for sure jeff and i love the analogy i definitely went from badminton to professional wrestling it's very well articulated and well said you know i think for me jeff what what really lights me up in the morning is that i really believe at the core of who i am that the work i do is really helping other people especially when i got started you know one of the challenges i saw with the communication space is a lot of the language and the wording was really negative you know, the only thing scarier than death is public speaking or Jerry Seinfeld's quote, you know, I'd rather be in the casket than give the eulogy. It's just these words that is ingrained in our culture, make us believe as a society that communication should be scary, that it should be something you don't want to get better at. Whereas in my case, you know, going back to accounting, that wasn't the only struggle. I have a math degree. I have a crooked left arm. I grew up in Montreal since you know very well Jeff is a city where you need to know how to speak French, which I didn't know a single word of. So my parents put me in French school to learn it. And every time I got up on a classroom to give a presentation, I'd be scared out of my wits. So if I could be such a great communicator, my belief is that anyone listening to this podcast can definitely get better at communication too.
0: Well, to, to your point, uh, public speaking is terrifying for a lot of people. So talk to us a little bit about so what are some of the steps that people can take to start to quell
1: some of the fear of getting in front of people? For sure, Jeff. You know, there's two parts to that. One is more of an understanding that we don't need to have zero fear to do public speaking. Think about everything that we've accomplished in our life. Whether it was immigrating to a new country, getting a new job, starting a business, going to college, applying for a first job, asking somebody on a date, getting married, everything that we've done in our lives have some fear involved with it. So why do we do it? We do it because the motivation outweighs the fear. Like when I was in college, I was really scared to apply for my first job because I didn't have any experience. So why did I do it anyways? because my fear of being broke was significantly higher than my fear of applying for a job. So how do we bring that analogy to communication? And this is where the challenge lies, Jeff, is we don't really have a good reason as to why we wanna get better at speaking. That's the core problem. Not that we're scared of it, but that we don't have a reason significant enough to actually wanna practice it for a large percentage of us. So now the next step to that becomes how would my life change if I became an exceptional communicator? Start to really reflect on that question, because that will start to open opportunities to how you can see the world better, and then we can get into some tactics and tricks to practice in a way that's easy.
0: I like what you were saying there, Brandon, because I've done a fair bit of speaking at conferences and and so forth. You never really get rid of the fear, do you? You just you you sort of you learn to you learn to deal with it because like exactly what you're saying yeah a lot of things in life are scary i guess i never really thought about you know what's the how is the motivation different on the other side of things
1: very well said jeff and and then the build up to that especially somebody like yourself who's keynoted a lot it also becomes easier for two reasons one in your case especially you're keynoting on the same topics you're not going to go onto a different conference and talk about something completely out of left field of your expertise. So after five or 10, you're still nervous, but you're a lot less anxious. And then the other piece that, that I'm sure we'll cover today on the show is, and this is the way I coach my senior level execs and leaders, is how do we architect an experience where we're practicing what's harder outside of the boardroom? Because if we do something that's h- out, harder outside of the boardroom, then the boardroom becomes much easier to deal with. And that's why, for me, the easy solution, which, isn't, which is simple but not easy, is to do what's harder. If you practice the exercises that are difficult, then when you go back into keynote situations and boardroom meetings, it's going to be really easy for you to navigate those situations.
0: Well, I, I think a lot of people don't. Think about the practice and, uh, and and what goes into being able to give a really good talk from that standpoint. Because I remember early in my career, I'd go to different conferences, and whether it was you know up on stage or whether you're giving like a lightning talk or or you're part of a small panel or, or whatever, um, we we always seem to be creating a new presentation or a new thing for every single event. And, it, you know, it dawned on me at some point in my career that like comedians or professional public speakers, they don't create a new talk for every single event that they're doing. You know, they, they've got a, a program that they put together and then they repeat it, you know, hun- hundreds of times. Like it takes practice to get good at that stuff,
1: right? You're absolutely spot on there, Jeff, where you're right. Like, what does Kevin Hart do when he's doing a Netflix special? He'll spend two, three years bombing on small little stages, small comedy clubs in New York or L.A. or Florida. He'll make a ton of mistakes. He'll try the jokes and he'll see what's actually landing. And then he'll take the best jokes, put them all together on on one special. And he knows he's going to crush because he's tried out those bits across the, the country. It's the same analogy here, where the best communicators, to your point, they're all presenting the same thing. And that's why I've gotten better at guesting on a podcast, not because I'm smart, but because I'm doing, I'm being asked the same questions over and over again on the topic of communication. Nobody's asking what my favorite fruit is on a podcast. So because of that, the quality of those answers, whether it's me, whether it's you or anyone else listening, just improves naturally over time.
0: So Brendan, what's your favorite fruit? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's, it's a tough debate. It's between the mango and the watermelon. I'm not sure which one's better. It's a close, but if I had to pick, probably mango.
0: I still delivered the answer. See, there you go. Confidence. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it, it's right. You know, I, I remember, you know, so many times, um, you know, if, if you get, uh, you, uh, you know, a chance to deliver on a topic a number of times instead of giving a presentation now you're having a conversation and it's totally different when you get up in front of people and it feels like you're having a conversation instead of a presentation because all the stuff is just it's natural to you you're not trying to re- remember a talk um yeah it makes a huge difference
1: doesn't it oh absolutely jeff i'm, I'm completely with you on that and then the the other piece to that as well is knowing how to practice in a way where it starts to feel like an informal infor- conversation amongst friends. So one, one of those exercises I teach is called the puzzle method, where in communication, when we build a presentation, we, we should work at it like jigsaw puzzles, those little piece puzzles that we have, where we start with the edge pieces first. Because if you work on the corners, they're a lot easier to find. We should just apply that to communication and presentations where the next time you have a big keynote or a presentation, just work on the introduction 10, 15 times, and you'll feel a lot more confident when you deliver the beginning of that message.
0: Since we're talking about communication skills, and uh, um, you know, part of it's public speaking, but communication in general it just got me thinking when I was um, reading some of your bio and thinking about our, our talk. Uh, are we, as a group or people, are we losing our communication skills that we did have? You know, I like, I. This happens over and over and over again. We'll meet new people, say we'll meet the family, meet their kids, especially when I'm meeting younger people. And, you know, they've got their head in their phone and, uh, or you know, I'll go and meet some people for the first time, their kids are also, uh, also there. They'll, hey, say hi to Jeff over there. And, and, you know, they won't pick their head out of their phone. Like, part of it is, you know, just basic manners, <laughs> but, but it's part of uh, like communication and I think communication styles and abilities are part of culture. Do you feel like we're losing some of it because of all of the different technologies that we've got in our face all the time?
1: For sure, Jeff. Great question. So, so you know, the way I've seen it is let's start by understanding why that is. So the first piece is really simple and has everything to do with optionality and convenience. Let me give a simple analogy. 20 years ago, let's say 30 years ago to be safe. If you wanted to ask somebody on a date, you don't really have a choice. You have to go in person. You have to ask them directly. There's no texting. Hmm. Maybe you can get on a phone call with them, but it's mostly in person. Whereas today, if you have the option, hence optionality of choosing between getting rejected in person or just swiping through an app, you're going to pick the easier option, not because the generations are different, but because as human beings, when we're given more convenient options, kind of like Uber Eats or DoorDash versus going out and actually picking up the food, we'll always opt for the more convenient option. Except the difference now with this generation, Jeff, as you can probably guess, is those options are handed to them at the beginning of their life. So naturally, they're going to pick the most convenient option, not because they're a different generation, but because they're human beings and that's what they'll do. But there's also a positive to this that a lot of people don't talk about. And the positive is, yes, they're not not practicing enough and they should, but the benefit is it's a lot easier for them to be connected to the whole world and meet people that they otherwise never would have met in their life. And that also leads to a lot of magic as well.
0: It does lead to magic, it, uh, but you know, I gotta say, it feels like we're losing some of the the one on one magic uh, that you know that happens when people aren't distracted by all of the other things that they should be doing. I don't know. I, maybe maybe it, I'm a little bit pessimistic that way, but uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I I hear what you're saying about uh, optionality and convenience and and you know that you know it becomes a habit, um, especially. Uh, you know, it's, it's pe- people's human nature to to lean toward things that are convenient and, and obvious. Um, so you were you you were just talking about Kevin Hart and and uh, um, what uh, someone like him would go through to prepare to give a talk. Talk a little bit about the process on uh, of what what you can do to sort of test if you're messaging is, will resonate with an audience. Absolutely,
1: Jeff. So here's the way I think about this. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is eye contact. One of those balls is getting the messaging rate. One of those balls is storytelling. One of them is body language. One of them is knowing how to smile. And it gets really confusing really fast. So for me, the question has always been, what are the few easiest balls to juggle? So one of those balls that I call is like sending video messages. So I get a lot of senior leaders to send video messages to their team members just to show them some appreciation about saying, hey, really appreciate the work that you're doing for this company. That's an easy way to practice. Another one is the question drill, where you'll pick a question. Here's what I like to do as well. is like you'll pull up an interview with someone with the same title as you or two titles above you, and you'll listen to their interview. You'll take notes on every question the interview asked them, and then you flip it back and you say, hey, If they were asking me those questions, how would I answer them? So that's the question drill. It's really easy to practice. And the random word exercise, you take a word like egg fruit, egg fruit makes no sense, egg roll or fruit or envelope, and you create random 60 second presentations that helps you deal with uncertainty. But to your point about messaging, what it really comes down to Jeff is taking a step back and just asking yourself this simple question to your audience what is most important to you around x topic and y and just sit back and listen and the answers they give you is what you feed into your presentation
0: i like the idea of the the, the quick 60 second talks on a spontaneous type of, of topic um, you, you know just in the pre-show we were talking about you know how, how we first started thinking about public speaking and whatnot and i i'd shared with you um, when i got out of university. I did Toastmasters for a few years. And one of the things that they did were these sort of quick lightning topics where you would have 30 to 60 seconds, you'd give a a, a topic to somebody on the spur of the moment and they would have to talk about that um, just off the top of their head not, or off the cuff. And it's incredibly effective to help people work through eliminating their thinking words and being able to talk fluidly and form thoughts quickly uh, on the go and make it sound like you know what you're talking about. Uh, But your thinking, it seems like when you get good at it, it seems to slow down a little bit and you get to process the information faster and then the 30, 60 seconds flies by.
1: Very well said. I, I completely agree with that, Jeff. And the difference in table topics, which, which is what you're referring to in Toastmasters versus like the random word exercise, is that the random word exercise is easier to practice. So in Toast, Toastmasters is a great organization, but I highly recommend it. I think it's great, especially for people who can't afford like an executive speech coach like me. I think it's a great, great, great way to get started. But the thing with table topics is because you have to switch questions all the time when you're outside of the meetings you don't really do it anymore whereas with the random word exercise what i like about it for beginners is you could do this anytime like light bulb home blanket yoga mat and also what i recommend people do is you can do this on a friday meeting where it's low stakes everyone's going for the weekend before a meeting starts have everybody do the random word exercise once or do this with children like a family or kids. And that also gets, you know, the kids who have their phones like this all the time out of their shell a little bit more in speaking.
0: I, I like your idea about um, videoing yourself and uh, or sending a video message and, and testing it that way. Um, you know, not, not too different from sports. Um, if whether you're golfing or up in here in Canada, you're curling or you're doing some type of uh, sport and you, people say curling is that really a thing yeah but if you videotape yourself uh, you get all sorts of different insights into your your range of motion and uh, what you what you're doing and I I I would assume that it's it's no different from uh, from testing your messages uh, and playing back the video and then seeing how the video resonates with other people I sometimes I, I I can't like, sometimes it's really hard for people to watch themselves on video. And, uh, but it's great practice, isn't
1: it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Like, the video really helps. The only nuance I add to this is you don't need to force yourself to video right away. Because for a lot of people, that can be really intimidating. That's why, for me, the first step is just, hey, do the random word exercise a few times. Try and get to 100 or 50. Do it like five times a day for three weeks. And then what starts to happen is your internal confidence starts to go up. It starts to increase. So then the other part of that conversation then becomes, okay, how do I get better? So then with the video message, what I like about the angle of sending it to employees or sending birthday video messages to business partners or clients, that's what I like to do in my business. What happens is you're not really focused on the video that you're sending, you're more focused on doing a nice thing for somebody. But after you've sent a hundred of these video messages, you get really good at these things really fast and you start to see the results yourself.
0: So let's talk about video a little bit um, when you're giving a presentation. So we, we do this all the time now. We do, we're we doing podcasts on video, we meet on video, um, and uh, we give presentations now on video. So how is giving, uh, do you think about the video presentations differently for, than? giving a live presentation and uh, are the, do you practice differently or do you, do you think about different things when you're trying to master a video talk? Yeah, for sure,
1: Jeff, great question. So, there's a, the, so in, in terms of in-person versus like a Zoom call that you're on in a meeting, the practice schedule is pretty similar in terms of the exercises we're working on, but the main differences lies in three main ideas. The first one is eye contact, where when you're in person, you're generally moving Your head around to look at the different people in an audience. Whereas when you're online, whether you're looking at one or 10,000 people, you actually want to look directly at the camera lens because it gives the illusion that you're looking at everyone directly, even if you're looking at the top of the screen. So that's one. The second one is energy. Let's Let's face face it, Jeff, it's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person because you actually have to shower, you need to be accountable, and you have to give people high fives or hugs. So you show up with a lot more energy. Whereas whereas when you're online, you can wear pajamas, no one will know. Ah, do I need a shower? Do I really need a shower? So because of that, it's a lot harder for us to project energy. So the advice simply becomes get better in person and bring as much of that energy as possible back online. And then finally, the third main difference is accessibility. Let's say I'm giving a presentation in Saskatoon and then I go, hey, I really want Jeff's feedback. But since you're sitting in the audience, the friction is very little. I just go up to you and I say, hey, Jeff, what did you think of this presentation? How can I make this better? And we can get a lunch after. But in online presentations, it's very different because the Zoom call just ends. So I actually need to get on a phone call with you to get the feedback that I need. And those are the main three differences I've seen.
0: I I do like the tip, especially about the energy. Uh, I had a colleague here that was uh, a news anchor for many years. And one thing that she imparted on me is that any time you're giving a, a a talk on on video, your energy has to be, what might feel over the top, but it it but you have to think that way because of the way it translates to the people on the other side, hundred percent. So one of the things uh, I know you had mentioned, you have a framework that you teach, and um, to to help practice your talks and help. Uh, Um, the the delivery resonate with the audience. Can you walk through that framework a little
1: bit? Absolutely, Jeff, happy to. So the framework is really simple when building a talk. The first one is to ask yourself, what is the main objective slash key idea of this presentation? If you're presenting to a group of teenagers on design thinking or marketing, it's very different than presenting to a group of senior level executives on the same topic. Because your objective with the children is to make sure they have a good time, make sure they have a lot of fun learning about marketing, inspiring them to pursue careers in that topic. Whereas when you're talking to senior executives, the goal might be generating leads, it might be generating more business, it might be showing yourself as an authority in that space to make sure everyone else in the industry knows who you are from a personal branding perspective. So notice how the same topic could have completely different objectives and key ideas. So that's the first step is getting clarity on what's the main goal here. Like for me, my objective today is really simple. How do I convince anybody listening to this that they can become an exceptional communicator? So that's number one. And then I'll do that through different tactics, which brings us to two. I call this three to defend. So three to defend means when you're sharing a presentation, most people won't remember most of what you say. So what you need to do is you need to take a step back and say, If I could only share three points to defend my key idea, to really get people excited about what I have to share, what are those three things and why? And then you write down a bunch of ideas and you'll circle three that you feel make the most sense. I'll give you an example with my keynotes. So my main three are my personal story. I had a crooked left arm when I was growing up. I still do. And then I had a lot of nerves. I became this. It's my rags to riches story, right? So that's the first one. The second piece is to create and share tips that are so simple that a five-year-old could do it. So I talked about the random word exercise. I talked about the question drill. I talked about the video message. It's not that hard. And then the third box that I use, whether I'm keynoting or on a podcast like this, is I help people dream about their communication. And that's why you heard the question, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? I'm changing the frame from the fear to the excitement. And then the last piece of this framework is called the vision state close. A lot of people when they close presentations, Jeff, they summarize their points. Okay, here's what we learned this week. Uh, This is what we learned today's presentation. Okay, go off into your weekend. Versus the way I like to close, I'll still summarize some points. But I'll close with, how would everybody's lives in the room change if you all implemented what I share today? And I help them imagine. So I'll say like communication is the accelerant of dreams and I'll make a big, I'll make a big hurrah around the importance of communication. That's how I'll close. That's my framework.
0: I like that. And I can see the impact that would have on persuasion as well, getting people to think about the, at the message. And I love the, the question at the beginning. My gosh, how many... Conferences that have I been at or conversations where you know you you meet meet people at a networking mixer and they walk right up to you, ask very few questions and they just start pitching and uh, they haven't thought about hey the question like what would this person care about with uh, you know especially in the context of uh, of what they do i lo- I love starting there um, Brendan, if you were to uh, pick out some key takeaways that you want people to uh, to have. I feel like you just summarized them. <laughs> but uh, what, what are some of the key things that you want to leave uh, in the back of the mind of, uh, of the audience today?
1: For sure, Jeff. This is great, by the way. Thanks for having me. Super fun. So two cute? main takeaways that I'd leave the audience with. The first one is if there is only one thing you do from this episode, it's really simple. Book 15 minutes in your calendar every single day to do my easy threes. Pick a few words. Do the random word exercise because it's not going to help if you listen to me doing it or Jeff doing it. You need to do it, right? The person who's listening. The second easy three is the question drill. Answer one tough question about your industry every day. If you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. You'll be bulletproof. And the third easy three is send a video message or two to people that you love on their birthdays or just people in general to just show your appreciation. And then the last part on this is reflect on the question. How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? And it doesn't need to be to be a big executive in a company. It doesn't need to be to start a business. It could be being a better friend, being a better mother, being a better dad for your children. And when you realize communication ties into everything that you do, and it accelerates your goals and the quality of your life, you'll be a lot more excited to practice it and share it with other people.
0: Brendan, uh, you're a fascinating guy. Uh, if people want to continue the conversation with you, how do they get hold of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. And, and that makes two of us. So thanks for having me on the show. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go ahead and go to Master Talk on YouTube in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch for those of you who are interested in coaching, come and attend one of our free communication workshops. I do one live over Zoom every two weeks. It's absolutely free. Everyone's invited. And if you want to jump on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com.
0: Love it. Rockstarcommunicator.com. And indeed you are. Brendan Kumarasamy. thank you for joining us in the Conquer Local podcast. All the best to you and come back and visit us again in the future. Thanks for having me, Jeff. What an inspiring conversation with Brendan. The core of Brendan's work is centered around helping others improve their communication skills. And he believes the motivation to overcoming fear is key to achieving success in any endeavor. By focusing on the fear of not achieving goals, rather than the fear of failure, individuals can build the confidence needed to excel in communication. Brendan's approach to improving communication skills involves practical exercises and techniques. Two key exercises include the random word exercise where you can practice creating impromptu presentations and the question drill where you answer industry-related questions. Lastly, when it comes to virtual presentations, he emphasizes the importance of eye contact and maintaining energy to create an engaging and accessible experience for the audience. If you've enjoyed Brendan Kumarasamy's episode discussing mastering the art of public speaking, revisit some of our recent episodes check out episode 625, Building a Strong C-Suite Community with Jeffrey Hazlett, or episode 520, Body Language on Zoom with Mark Bowden. Until next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome.
1: You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Suleiman Adam. Executive Producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam, recorded at Bindasta headquarters on the Canadian Prairies.